Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.35 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 20th of January, 2022. This is episode 529 of Bitcoin, and it's cold outside. It certainly is, dude. It's 18 degrees, and it snowed last night, uh, amazingly enough. And I'm supposed to go out to a ranch today to (laughs) to go pre-interview one of our local uh, ranchers look at his uh, facilities and 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 I I'm still looking forward to it but you know I really could use a good set of Carhartt overalls yes indeed Carhartt the people that you have come to hate so far if you don't know what I'm talking about Carhartt makes some well made some really good work clothes uh they specifically made really good winter work clothes and i'm you know definitely was interested in buying one of their sets of coveralls that uh, are lined because those sons of bitches will keep your ass nice and toasty warm in some of the worst working conditions you've ever seen but <clears throat> the ceo and their board of directors and everybody who has anything to do with that company has decided to be complete assholes about uh, COVID. So um, I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, You can go look at Carhartt for yourself and, you know, Google Carhartt and, you know, or DuckDuckGo Carhartt and uh, COVID and you'll, you'll figure it out real fast, but they're, they're being dipshits. So speaking of dipshits, if you want to dip your shit, you're going to do it in a wastewater treatment plant. That's where all the crap that you flush down the toilet goes, unless you're on a septic system. If you're on a septic system, then you have your own water treatment facility buried in your front or back or side yard somewhere. And it does all the things that a wastewater treatment plant does. It's just that it does it on a much smaller scale. Why the hell am I even talking about it? Well, I got this thread from Twitter. Yes, I'm back on Twitter. Ghost of Nunya, in case you're wondering biomining at biomining all one word has put this out and we're going to read it this came out on january the 18th uh biomining says in this thread i'll be talking about the interesting potential of wastewater treatment plants energy for bitcoin mining so pay attention wastewater streams carry our poop which is loaded with internal energy that can be extracted via anaerobic digestion a process where bacteria consume organic matter and process biogas, which is on average 65% methane and 35% carbon dioxide. The question remains, how large is the amount of energy that can be produced by a wastewater treatment plant, and how costly can it be? Short answers, 26 kilowatts per each million gallons per day 
of wastewater in ranges from 1.3 to 10 cents per kilowatt hour. So the average wastewater treatment plant in the United States processes around 2.18 million gallons per day, which translates to a potential of around 840 megawatts. And there are around 14,780 wastewater treatment plants overall, and only half of them had digester digesters to produce biogas back then. A small town like Panajachel, oh good lord, in Guatemala, 14,000 inhabitants, could be producing enough to power a genset between 25 and 30 kilowatts which could translate to locating seven or eight Antminer S19 Pros for a revenue of 6,000 USD per month. Not very high numbers in terms of power generation. Nonetheless, it will bring a revenue stream to a place that could use it a lot. Checking the numbers on site is required as soon as possible and Bitcoin mining can help. For instance, taking advantage of the biogas in a larger wastewater treatment facility in Guatemala could fund better wastewater treatment, uh, treatment processing infrastructure around the Atalan Lake, which would be clearing the lake with other city wastes, or cleaning the lake with other city wastes. And that's all that he really goes into, but the, the whole point is that energy is everything, and everything is energy. And I'm talking from one end of the universe all the way to the other end of the known universe and the unknown universe. It doesn't matter. It's all built out of energy. Every molecule in your body is energy. From the nucleus that's in the center of the carbon atom that is in a, you know, a piece of fat in a fat cell in your liver, even the nucleus itself is bound together by energy. The bonds that carbon forms with other carbons or hydrogen or oxygen or nitrogen or whatever, those bonds, when they're broken, release energy. You, you are literally a star that's burning. Everything about you came from stars. All the, you know, well, the hydrogen did not come from stars, but all the heavier elements past helium and possibly lithium, <clears throat> They all came from stars. The heavy elements were produced in exploding stars. Carbon, iron, gold, silver. Uh, gold, the heavier elements, like when you get up to gold and silver, there's a little bit more than an exploding star. It's sort of like two neutron stars colliding together and then exploding. But be that as it may, you're made from burning stars. And as you walk around and you metabolize, you are literally a burning star. So if you think, if for whatever reason, you, you know, walking around a little depressed and a little down on yourself, remember, you are a star and you're burning. You are releasing energy everywhere. You're, as you walk, you are streaming energy behind you. Every tree, every blade of grass, every piece of asphalt, every rock, every mountain, every lake, every river that you see is made of energy as well as conducting energy like in a moving river. There's a lot of energy there. Hence, we have hydroelectric power. I'm just saying, everything is energy. And therefore, energy is everywhere. Bitcoin is made of energy. 
So when you do the math, Bitcoin is everything or can be everything or can use everything, including the waste gas from your poop because your poop contains a shit ton of energy that is unharvested by the metabolism of your body. And as a biologist, I actually don't get grossed out by poop or pee or any of these things because to me, it's all just chemistry or biochemistry, depending on how you want to look at it. But this is a really good, I mean, even though it's a short thread, it really does kind of open your eyes that it's not just waste natural gas that can be harvested. It's not just wind energy. It's not just, you name any quote unquote green energy that you want. Okay, that's all there. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. There are ways to harvest energy from our environment that we've never even thought of before. And it wasn't until Bitcoin came around that people started going, where else can I get really cheap energy? And because that thought is now ingrained in our mind, we're going to become masters of energy. We are going to be so good at finding and utilizing the just trickles of energy is going to be sought after at one point or another. Not great, big, massive rivers of energy. It's going to be small trickles of energy everywhere. And we're going to learn how to harvest them in the most efficient ways possible. And most of those trickles of energy are going to be harvested in a way that is, quote unquote, probably more green than you can possibly imagine. Whether you like the ESG narrative or you hate the ESG narrative, the ESG narrative does not actually should not actually play into any of this crap. It's it energy just is. And we are going to not because of ESG narratives, but because of efficiency, because the human always drives itself towards higher and higher efficiency. It's almost like getting a trophy when you figure out how to make something yet that was already pretty efficient even more efficient. You feel good about yourself for some reason. I don't know. It's ingrained in human nature, but that human nature is going to carry along and we're going to figure out how to harvest energy from poop, from urine, from cow poop, from natural gas wells, from everything that you can possibly imagine. And it's going to be a wonderful world to live in because as we figure out how to extract energy from damn near every possible energy stream available to us, it's not going to just power Bitcoin mining. It's going to power the human revolution as we go forward. All right. So with that said, let's talk about how Twitter screwed over a billionaire. <laughs> and this one is kind of confusing. So, or it's confusing me anyway, but let's read it first. Uh, this is out of Reuters. Twitter blocks Mexican billionaire citing abusive behavior. <clears throat> Twitter said on Wednesday it has blocked the account of Mexican billionaire Ricardo Salinas Peligio due to abusive behavior. The social media company did not detail. Of course they don't. They never detail. Anyway, they never detail why Salinas had been blocked, but said on its help center that an account may not engage in harassing situations directed at one person or incite others to do so. Quote, we consider abusive behavior any attempt to harass, intimidate, or silence another person's voice, it added. Pause. Rewind. This is important. On Twitter's terms of service, it says that abusive behavior is any attempt to harass, 
intimidate, or silence another person's voice. Keep that in the back of your mind. Last week, Salinas, the owner of Banco Azteca S.A. Bank, engaged in a dispute with Mexican journalist Denise Dresser, making comments on Twitter about her appearance that the social media company said violated its rules. A spokesman for Salinas declined to comment. Salinas said on his Telegram account that he would use his Telegram, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok accounts until he resolves the issue with Twitter. The billionaire and his family rank 153 in the Forbes billionaire list with an estimated net worth of $13.5 billion earlier this month. He said he was considering the purchase of Citigroup consumer banking business in Mexico known as Citibankamex. Uh, so there you go. We got, and, and he's a well, he's actually really well known in the Bitcoin space. If you haven't heard him talk before, uh, he's, he's pretty solidly a, a a Bitcoiner. In either event, let's go back to the silence another person's voice. The headline, Twitter blocks Mexican billionaire citing abusive behavior. So Twitter violated their own rules by silencing his voice. This is a hypocrisy. You can't have freedom of speech and apparently you also can't have completely controlled speech because Either you're going against the Constitution of the United States, and yes, I get it. Twitter is a private company. They are not bound by the Constitution of the United States, but they are singularly responsible for a great deal of violations against the spirit of the Constitution of the United States when they silence people like this guy and your poor pleb behind the mic, me. But you, they also can't do controlled speech because they violate their own goddamn coda. I'm serious. They, they, I mean, you're, you're talking about a company that at this point has no rules. They operate, with, they operate against their own rules. They operate against the intrinsic rules that we think are good and pure because as Americans, the Constitution of the United States is the guiding principles by which we run. So they violate that, and now they're violating their own coda. Because they're not supposed, their, their own rule is you can't silence another's voice. And yet here we have a billionaire whose voice has been silenced. Now, the reason it's confusing for me is because as of last night, his Twitter page was still up. I haven't checked it this morning, but it really doesn't matter because at one point or another, Twitter definitely blocked his ass, which means that they definitely went against their own rules. So there you go. That If you're wondering why Twitter just is the way that they are, it's because they cannot find a set of rules to follow. They can't follow their own and they can't follow those of the states of the United States of which they operate in. Now, speaking of political things, single issue Bitcoin voters or a singular Bitcoin apolitical force? Heidi Potter is right, or sorry, Porter is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. To start out, Bitcoin is apolitical. However, many people who own Bitcoin do vote in elections and everyone lives in countries where the government can have an effect on Bitcoin, its ecosystem and its regulation. One definition of apolitical is having no interest in or association with politics. A second definition of apolitical is having no political relevance or importance. Bitcoin doesn't care about politics, nor does it belong to any party or any country. Bitcoin is apolitical by that definition. However, Bitcoin becomes a political relevance or importance as it becomes 
a government concern for regulation and oversight within or next to the current federal monetary and economic system. As Dennis Porter notes, single-issue voting centers around a eh, single point of passion for individuals. Single-issue voters vote by a candidate's stance on areas such as gun rights, gay rights, marijuana, and environmental activities. Dennis proposes that single-issue voting Bitcoiners will vote for a candidate based solely on whether that candidate supports Bitcoin. My thesis is that Bitcoiners can be a cohesive United Bitcoin apolitical force with some Bitcoiners falling into a single-issue voting group. I agree that for some people, Bitcoin alignment will override every other issue and value that a candidate stands for. Bitcoin support will be seen as a higher good that overrides the candidate's other agenda items. In other cases, a candidate's Bitcoin support could work as a decider between two candidates where both candidates are equal in all other ways for that particular voter. Bitcoin candidates may also bring non-voting Bitcoiners out to the election booth. Also, as I discussed in my Bitcoin and biases, fund managers eating crow and welcoming horses in 2021 article, institutions and fund managers who support Bitcoin will most likely support the candidates who support Bitcoin because it makes them more profit. Well, okay, this is the way shit's been going for years. However, actually hundreds of years. However, a candidate simply being a Bitcoiner may well not compel some Bitcoin voters to choose them over a rival, a Bitcoin supporting candidate over another candidate. And here's why. Some of the key issues for many Bitcoiners, self-sovereignty around individual rights, freedom and privacy, are why I do not see many Bitcoiners voting as a single issue voting block. For issues such as gun rights, gay rights, and marijuana rights, or other areas such as pro-life or pro-choice, many and maybe even most Bitcoiners will not be single issue voters and will not make this choice at the voting booth. These areas are about individual rights and freedom for yourself and your friends and family members. So let's lay out some scenarios of different candidates. A pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not support certain gun rights. A pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not support gay rights. A pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not support cannabis legalization. A pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not support pro-choice. A pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not fully or only partially supports Bitcoin privacy rights, a pro-Bitcoin candidate who does not support the right to protest or opt out of a system, a pro-Bitcoin candidate who mandates that we eat white chocolate. Fact, it's not even chocolate. This is true, by the way. This is, this is me talking. I don't like it when people call it white chocolate. It's not. It's not chocolate. It, doesn't, it, 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 it comes, it, it, it's cocoa butter and some other things but it's not actually chocolate. So please stop calling it white chocolate. So let's look at some voters and their different issues. A Bitcoiner who fully supports the Second Amendment right to bear arms. One who supports gay rights. One who is pro-cannabis legalization. One who's pro-choice. One who deems Bitcoin privacy to be of utmost importance and one who protests or opts out of a certain system. And lastly, one who is pro-choice of chocolate or even no chocolate. Obviously, the last bullet of each example is an exaggeration. All of the above Bitcoin voting issues are about self-sovereignty. Individual rights and freedoms are issues that unite most Bitcoiners. However, they don't unite Bitcoiners across all issues around all individual rights in the wider world. In addition, freedom of choice within various rights does not live and breathe as a single issue that unites politicians across the political spectrum. 
would any of these voters vote for a Bitcoin candidate that is working to take, <clears throat> take away their freedom and rights? We are first individuals and next tribal, family or group oriented. As a parent or caretaker, child or sibling, friend or colleague, we are usually motivated to protect our rights and that of our immediate families and friends first. If we pan out to the wider world, could you see most Bitcoiners voting for a Bitcoin leader who would restrict the rights of certain groups of people? Would we vote for international leaders who confined certain people to camps, refused them bank accounts, or monitored or restricted their purchases, lifestyles, speech, or ability to vote? If we would not want to vote for that in the wider world, then why would we vote for that in the United States? Instead, I see two larger, more cohesive, and even more powerful Bitcoin groups. The Bitcoin and the American Dream authors and Dennis Porter are among the people spearheading the first group. Both these groups represent a single, singular Bitcoin apolitical force. The second group is a subset of the first group. First, Bitcoiners as a group educating and advocating with politicians of any political affiliation to move toward Bitcoin. A cohesive united Bitcoin political force can educate and guide in an apolitical manner because Bitcoin is not political. Education is key, a key issue within the political realm. Most government leaders do not understand Bitcoin. However, it is extremely important to be factual and highly accurate about Bitcoin. Pithy, incorrect narratives do not help the cause. Weak arguments will be ignored or countered. Altcoin advocacy can dilute education and understanding of Bitcoin. Bitcoiners and any Bitcoin advocacy group need to work together to get oversight within the community on detailed aspects of energy usage, economics, and technical impl impl implementations. Advocating for Bitcoin is another key issue and action that all Bitcoiners can do with their government regardless of party. Call, email, or text your elected leaders and provide them with credible information on Bitcoin. Yeah, they're not going to listen, dude. They, they don't listen to the phone calls. Second, politicians who support Bitcoin could unite on the single issue of Bitcoin, and many already are. Any Bitcoin politician should be able to align on Bitcoin common ground with any Bitcoin-aligned candidate. One caveat is that just like many Bitcoiners vary on opinions and facts within the ecosystem, it is likely that many Bitcoin-aligned candidates will vary on opinions or statements about similar areas as well, often with a lack of accuracy. That said, Bitcoin politicians could align on Bitcoin even if they have strong misalignment on other issues. Currently, the political sides look like this. Conservative values and liberal values all wanting to be in the White House. By its nature, Bitcoin is freedom money and money for people with different views of how to transact in life. It is possible that the underlying ethos of Bitcoin could move the political needle toward collaboration, coordination, and compromise on other areas that involve the freedom to choose. Bitcoin could be a singular entity that unites politicians across the political spectrum, and it can move politicians and other government figures to think in line with the Bitcoin values of individual rights, freedoms, and choice. Similarly, uniting Bitcoiners, Bitcoiners across the political spectrum in order to educate politicians on Bitcoin is the bipartisan moonshot that many are working toward. Regardless of how and who we vote for at the election booth, Bitcoin may underlie and fix many issues. However, Bitcoiners have many other issues that are high priorities when they mark their ballots for the people that will reside and preside in the next government. 
In these cases, many Bitcoiners are not single issue voters, but they are part of the larger singular Bitcoin apolitical force. Again, this is Heidi Porter from Bitcoin Magazine writing it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what to say about this? Good luck, number one. Number two, I think that we have fallen into a trap of having to solve all of our problems in one single shot. This is, this is, a, this art, well, it's not that the article is a mess. It's the fact that what she's trying to do here is fraught with difficulty because the political spectrum that she talks about is, in, is itself a complete shit show inside a circus tent inside of a burning dumpster. There's no unification possible, right? The only thing that we can do as Bitcoiners is the education side, honestly, when it comes to, to politicians. That's the only thing that we could possibly even come close to hoping for moving forward in the future and, and something that we can do right now today. However, the whole statement of call and write and text your, your politician, they don't give a shit. I've called, I've written, I get form letters, I never get to talk to my guy. That's just, you're, you're never gonna talk to Ted Cruz. You're never gonna call up Ted Cruz's office and Ted Cruz is gonna get on the phone unless you're a buddy of Ted Cruz's or you have so much money that he knows who you are and will take your call. But if you're a pleb, yeah, you're, you're not, he's not gonna listen to you. So that's kind of out the window, but you know, what, what else is there to do? The, the only thing that you can do is, is to work towards being a better educator. That's it. That's it. That's all you can do. Amass the amount of knowledge that you need, disseminate it in a way that makes sense to you, start teaching it to other people, figure out where it is that you're wrong, because the best way that you know that you don't know something enough about A, B, and C is by trying to teach A, B, and C to other people. And it becomes very evident very quickly what it is that you don't know. And then you go back and you repair those little, you patch those little holes and then you try again and you try again. And you're never going to patch all the holes. And that's okay. That's all right. The, as, as you get stronger, as you get better in education, you're doing your job. And that's the only thing that we can ask. As to whether or not a guy that is a bit, or a Bitcoiner that is pro second amendment is going to hook up with a Bitcoiner that is definitely against any kind of weaponry in the hands of the citizenry whatsoever, the chances of that union actually holding together because of Bitcoin? No, it's not. And that's okay. Bitcoin doesn't have to be some kind of magic super glue that brings us all together. It's going to bring us together in various ways, but like I'm not going to vote for an anti-gun candidate because he's a Bitcoiner. Why? Because I don't actually believe that he's a Bitcoiner. And I, if you don't like guns and you're like, well, I'm a Bitcoiner, then if you, Bitcoin is freedom money. Being able to be free to do what I want and, and, and be able to defend myself against those who don't want me to do what I want, well, that's, that's freedom. So there's, there's, there's clear lines of delineation as to what's going on here. It's going to be confusing moving forward. I'm not going to vote for some idiot just because they, they say, I like Bitcoin. Because honestly, that can be just as much of a marketing ploy as anything else. They may not give shit one about Bitcoin, but they know that they're going to get Bitcoin votes for it. 
Yeah. It all it is going to boil down to the same shit that it's always boiled down to. Groups of people want different things. And as, as long as you have groups of people that want different things and want to live a certain way, you're going to have political problems. It's, that's never, ever, ever going to go away. And that's okay. Now, here, here's what's not okay. Uh, yesterday, I talked to you about Crypto.com getting breached. Well, apparently, some um, there's been some confirmation of just how bad this breach is, and it's pretty bad. Crypto.com shares details on security breach. Apparently, 483 accounts were compromised, and Arnold Kirimi is going to tell us about it from Cointelegraph. <clears throat> The Crypto.com security breach saga gets clarity with an official statement from the Singapore-based crypto exchange following a halt on withdrawals after detecting, quote, suspicious activities in user accounts. In a statement on Thursday, Crypto.com revealed that 4,836, no, sorry, 4,836.26 ETH 443.9 443.9 BTC and approximately $66,000 US in, and in other currencies uh, had been taken from client accounts without their permission. The overall loss is presently valued at $33.8 million per the current market value. Following a security breach, several crypto.com users have made complaints that their money had been stolen. However, the company's previous responses had failed to quell concerns. On Monday at around 12.46 a.m. UTC, Crypto.com's risk monitoring systems detected, quote, unauthorized activity on a small number of user accounts where transactions were being authorized without the two-factor authentication control being entered by the user, according to the official document. The exchange proceeded by halting withdrawals and revoking all customer 2FA tokens, adding even more security hardening measures that everyone that required everyone to re-log in and activate or reactivate the 2FA token before allowing any authorized action as detailed in the statement. The withdrawal infrastructure was down for a total of 14 hours to safeguard against such an accident happening again. Crypto.com claims to have implemented an additional layer of protection with a new whitelisted withdrawal address that must be registered within 24 hours before the first withdrawal. Uh, We won't even, don't even have to go back, you know, into the rest of it. That's all you really need to know. They bypassed the 2FA system completely. And then as a measure to help fix it, they re they told everybody to re-up their 2FA tokens. Why? You bypassed the 2FA token system completely when they got, it was, it was completely bypassed. And their, their, one of their fixes was to make sure everybody re-logged in and got a new 2FA token. Their first token didn't matter. Why is their second token going to matter? This is why Bitcoin. So just stay away from any of this bullshit, okay? Now, El Salvador explores low interest loans backed by Bitcoin. Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph, it's full steam ahead for El Salvador's Bitcoinization. The next point on the orange agenda is in providing low interest loans backed by Bitcoin to small and micro businesses. While the details of the BTC loans are currently undisclosed, Monica Tayer, an advisor for the government of El Salvador, was straight talking in a Facebook Live audio held on Wednesday. The discussion was called Bitcoin Loans with Lower Interest Rates. Paul Steiner, president of C- Condomipe, 
C-O-N-A-M-Y-P-E, you figure it out. The National Institute for Small and Micro Businesses shared that the implementation of loans would work with the government-created El Chivo wallet. El Salvador's business landscape is dominated by small and micro businesses, and Bitcoin-backed loans are an opportunity to remediate the situation Steiner illustrated thusly, quote, El Salvador has roughly 1.2 million businesses in its country. Roughly 6.6, or sorry, 66% are micro businesses or subsistence businesses. And over 90% of micro businesses are self-funded via informal loans or loan sharks, end quote. He cited the example that a $100 loan taken out by a micro business will typically come with terms of full repayment within 20 days, while the interest rate could be up to $15 a day. Good God, y'all. In some cases, the annual interest rate for such loans exceeds 10,000%. Jeez, talk about usury. The Old Testament Jews would have actually stoned your ass in the freaking town square for that shit. Ultimately, the interest rate provided by BTC-backed loans would be lower than that of informal lenders, loan sharks, and banks. Andrea Martinez Gomez, a project manager for Acumen, a decentralized finance lending protocol, this fucking scam, shared that some crypto enthusiasts in El Salvador are already using crypto solutions such as DeFi as they offer an ease of use and a higher interest rate than banks. Maybe she meant lower interest rate than, but whatever. Alessandro Casiri, community manager for Ledin, a Bitcoin company from Canada, also participated in the discussion. Ledin recently launched BTC-backed mortgages. He asked whether El Salvador might copy the company's example and whether Bitcoin might be considered as collateral for mortgages in the future. Steiner was open to the discussion and optimistic about the future of Bitcoin. However, his priority is to improve the business environment for small and mid-sized enterprises. When prompted in the chat box about loans for other avenues or housing, Tayer reiterated that the loan product would only be available to small and micro businesses for the moment. We will discuss mortgages later, she said. Steiner summed up the vision when referring to the challenges that micro-businesses faced in El Salvador. Quote, businesses need an entry point for financing. Bitcoin is that opportunity. There you go. Gonna happen in El Salvador at one point or another. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities and flammable liquids are cooling off a little bit today. West Texas Intermediate down 0.08% to $86.89, which is really high. Brent North Sea at $88.23 after a quarter percent drop. Natural gas 4.8% to the downside, all the way back below 4 to $3.83 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline down 0. 0.16 to $2.45 a gallon. Boy, the people on the West Coast are going to hate that shit. Shiny metal rocks are all in the green today. Gold is not leading the way. Platinum is at 2.6% to the upside. Gold, however, 0.17% to the upside, uh, chilling out just under 1850 bucks. Silver up 1.524.61. Copper is up 1.75 and palladium is up 2.15. I really wish they put uranium on there. It, uranium's a metal, kind of, mostly. 
whatever. Uh, agricultural futures are mixed. Uh, leading the way to the downside is wheat, 1.13%. Soybeans are up a third. Corn is, the corn is down 0.6. Uh, sugar is up 0.8. Coffee is down a quarter. Cotton is down 0.4%. Rough rice down 0.4%. And chocolate up almost a full point. Uh, let's see, NASDAQ, not NASDAQ, Dow futures up 0.87. Holy shit, it looks like they're going to be rallying today. S&P futures up over a point. NASDAQ futures 1.69% to the upside. S&P mini up three quarters of a point. Real money talking now, $42,687.9. 267,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is just over 11,000 transactions on average per hour. With 542,000 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period, that's about 22,600 BTC every hour on the hour. Average transaction value is 2 BTC. Median transaction value is dropped again, 0.013 BTC, $573, and block times are hideously low. I mean really low. I haven't seen them this low for a long time. 7 minutes, 42 seconds a block. 0.049 0.049 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 9 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a new all-time high in hash rate. After a 26.2% rise in hash rate, yes, I'll say it again, 26.2% in the last 24 hours, we are at 216 and a quarter exahashes per second. Holy crap. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is 16.8 United States pennies. Shouldn't be worth one. 3,886 transactions waiting on two blocks to clear. We have an $819.2 billion market capitalization. Uh, That is 6.75% of gold's market cap, and if you so choose, you may buy. 23.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,935,191.5. of those are locked up in the Lightning Network, valued at $144.1 million, being handled by 18,845 nodes, representing 83,963 payment channels. 76.3% of all of that is run over Tor. So the Tor capacity is 2,542 BTC being run over 11,780 nodes that we know about, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Part two of the news you can use, Russian Central Bank proposes banning cryptocurrencies and crypto mining. Reuters uh, is presenting this one written by Elena Fabrichanaya and Alexander Marrow. Yeah, yeah. So that's if you're wondering why the hell Russia is all over Twitter right now and all the rest of the social media as it pertains to Bitcoin, this is why out of Moscow... Russia's central bank on Thursday proposed banning the use of mining and cryptocurrencies on Russian territory, citing threats to financial stability, citizens' well-being, and its monetary policy sovereignty. (laughs) 
threatening its citizens' well-being by what having fun staying poor? I how's that any less of a threat? Whatever. The move is the latest in a global cryptocurrency crackdown as governments from Asia to the United States worry that privately operated, highly volatile digital currencies could undermine their control of financial and monetary systems. Russia has argued for years against cryptocurrencies, saying that they could be used in money laundering or to finance terrorism. Get a new set of, of, of material, guys. It eventually gave them legal status in 2020, but banned their use as a means of payment. In December, the price of Bitcoin fell after Reuters reported, citing sources that Russia's regulator was in favor of a complete ban on cryptocurrencies. In a report published on Thursday, the central bank said speculative demand primarily determined cryptocurrencies' rapid growth and that they carried characteristics of a financial pyramid, warning that bubbles in the market could form, threatening financial stability in citizens. Like we don't have bubbles in the financial systems that are legacy, like the housing bubble that almost destroyed the entire planet's financial system. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, whatever. The bank proposed preventing financial institutions from carrying out any operations with cryptocurrencies and said mechanisms should be developed to block transactions. Good luck aimed at buying or selling cryptocurrencies for fiat or traditional currencies. The proposed ban includes crypto exchanges. Russians are active cryptocurrency users, the central bank said, with an annual transaction volume of about $5 billion. Russia is the world's third largest player in Bitcoin mining behind the United States and Kazakhstan, though the latter may see a minor exodus over fears of tightening regulation following the unrest earlier this month. The central bank said crypto mining created problems for energy consumption. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are mined by powerful computers that compete against others hooked up to a global network to solve complex mathematical puzzles. The process guzzles electricity and is often powered by fossil fuels. No, it's not. Well, okay, some of it is, but we, we, know, we know better. 58% of Bitcoin mining is not using fossil fuels. Quote, the best solution is to introduce a ban on Bitcoin currency or sorry, cryptocurrency mining in Russia, the bank said. In August, Russia accounted for 11.2% of the global hash rate, crypto jargon, for the amount of compute power being used by computers connected to the Bitcoin network. In its report, the central bank pointed to steps taken in other countries such as China to curb cryptocurrency activity. It said it would work with regulators in countries where crypto exchanges are registered to collect information about the operations of Russian clients. In September, China intensified its crackdown on cryptocurrencies with a blanket ban on all crypto transactions as well as mining, hitting Bitcoin and other major coins and pressuring crypto and blockchain related stocks. Russia's regulators said crypto assets becoming widespread would limit the sovereignty of monetary policy with higher interest rates needed to contain inflation. It said the long-term potential of cryptocurrencies being used for settlements was limited. Meanwhile, the Bank of Russia is planning to issue its own digital ruble, joining the global trend to develop digital currencies to modernize financial systems, speed up payments, and counter a potential threat from other cryptocurrencies. Okay, it's all complete bullshit. I mean, Russia is saying that they are, you know, thinking about doing this, and they very well might, so they can have fun staying poor. Now, here's the thing. You got Russia, <clears throat> which butts up right next to China, and, and they, they've been cozying up. And I don't believe that it's uh, Russia that 
is coming up with this on their own. I honestly think that they're under pressure from pressure from China and that China is telling them, Hey, look, if you uh, still allow this shit, we're, we're going to have some, we're going to have some problems. And I fully expect Russia to ban crypto mining and, uh, or Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin as well as, as cryptocurrencies and the shit coins and all that kind of stuff. I fully expect it. And I kind of welcome it. And here's why I got Russia, I got China. And if you stitch them together, that is a massive part of, of, well, a lot of Asia and whatever you want to call the rest of Russia. I, some people think it's the Asian con. I don't know. It's maybe it is Asia, but Russians don't look Asian to me. I'm just saying it's, it's geography is confusing to me. Um, so you got Russia, you got China. I believe Russia is being kind of manipulated by China uh, or rather threatened by China to do this. Who would be next in line? Malaysia and then Australia and New Zealand. I believe all those countries are going to block up together and they are going to try their very best to have their own digital currencies. So now we really do have an East versus West divide. Even though Australia is considered to be part of the West, it's not good. They are so owned by China right now, they're going to do whatever the fuck China tells them to do. They cannot live without China. They've allowed themselves to be too ingratiated to that country. In either event, the United States has an opportunity that they have that they always come into contact with. Oh, and this is over the last you know couple hundred years to literally rule the world by financial action. If the United States was very, very smart and was able to get back to their roots of being really some really maniacal motherfuckers when it comes to political shit, then what they would do is enable the American public to do whatever the hell they wanted to do with Bitcoin, adopt Bitcoin themselves onto their balance sheet as the central bank, and then allow themselves in conjunction with the population of the United States to basically own everything in Russia and China, Australia and Malaysia and New Zealand. Because what we're talking about here is really, really good money in half of the world. Or well, actually, let's say if we get African and Latin America, let's say we've got three quarters of the world that's on a good money. And then you got Russia, China, Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia, and the rest of Southeast Asia, Korea, Vietnam, all, you know, all that shit will fall. Japan may be able to prop itself up. I'm just saying that from a geopolitical standpoint, you're looking at the bifur a, a fairly serious bifurcation of the world in a, from financial terms. If we play it right, we can own China, Russia, and Australia. I would rather them just be Russia, China, and, and Australia, but apparently they want to rule the world. And at this point, it's going to be a financial war and the United States has a chance to use Bitcoin as that weapon. The question is, will they? Do they understand what all this stuff means? Do they understand that they've got the best shot in 500 years? Like, And I'm talking just the West in general at this point. So even though the United States hasn't been here that long, Western thought has been well over 500 years. And we've got the best shot in 500 years to completely crush anything that even remotely looks like anti-freedom 
Will we? That's going to be the question. But with people like Google around, it's not going to uh, it's not going to be easy. <clears throat> Google hires PayPal executive to expand crypto footprint. Jeff Benson is writing it for Decrypt.co. Alphabet in- Incorporated subsidiary Google has hired former PayPal senior vice president and chief product architect Arnold Goldberg to lead its payments division, according to a report today from Bloomberg. Just three months after abandoning a strategy to let Google pay, users create checking account and savings accounts via its proposed Plex service. The search and advertising giant will wade more deeply into other financial services, including cryptocurrency debit cards. Quote, crypto is something we pay a lot of attention to. I think he actually said the quote was Bitcoin, but this is decrypt. So you got to take it with, with a grain of salt. Uh, crypto is something that we pay a lot of attention to. Uh, Google president of commerce, Bill Reddy, told Bloomberg, as user demand and merchant demand evolves, we evolve with it. Google Pay, the company's digital wallet for online or contactless mobile purchases, has made some tentative strides into the crypto space already in March 2020. In news likely overshadowed by impending COVID lockdowns, Google Pay added integration for the Coinbase card, a Visa debit card that enables Bitcoin payments. Google Pay users could include the card details on their Android phones and start buying things in BTC. In August 2021, months after integrating with Apple Pay, BitPay MasterCards came to Google Pay as well. And in October 2021, Bact announced that holders of its debit card could use it in tandem with Google Pay to buy goods and services with Bitcoin. They're actually writing the word Bitcoin at this point. I'm not, not, not inserting that. The service essentially provided a way for people to exchange their BTC for USD at the point of sale. But Google lags behind Apple Pay thanks in part to Apple's dominance in the U.S. smartphone market and its focus on app development, which is where Goldberg might be able to help. In late 2020, while Goldberg was still with the company, PayPal announced that customers would be able to buy cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Shitcoin One on its platform. The payment services company steadily increased its offerings throughout 2021 with the launch of crypto payments for merchants and integrations with its Venmo app. While Reddy told Bitcoin or Bitcoin Bloomberg that Google isn't ready for crypto transactions just yet, it's clear that it's part of the strategy moving forward. So Google entering into the fray. Google is the cancer. Hopefully Bitcoin is the experimental vaccine that will cause it to have a fucking heart attack. BTC Times is writing this one. Dennis Zat, one of my good friends on Twitter, if it's the same guy, uh, is actually the author. U.S. government agencies and Ripple's University Blockchain Research Initiative have teamed up against proof of work mining. (laughs) Jesus, this just kills me, man. The Department of Treasury, National Bureau of Economic Research, and Ripple's University Blockchain Research Initiative published a paper in May of last year that analyzed the effect of cryptocurrency mining on local electricity price increases. The document, authored by Berkeley researchers Matteo Benetton, Eder Morris, and Giovanni Campiani from the University of Chicago, focused on effects observed in mining cryptocurrencies. Their studies found that crypto mining leads to the representative household and small business in New York paying $71 and $144 more in their electricity bills per year, respectively. The figures above 
are determined by using the amount of power consumed prior to 2017 to what was consumed in 2020 and early 2021. The article suggests that mining will boost tax revenue for local governments, stating that higher tax revenues recover approximately 15% of those losses for households and small businesses. The trio of researchers concluded by stating, quote, we estimated the local community's demand for electricity and used this to quantify the welfare losses incurred by the community as a result of higher electricity prices. We find that the magnitude of the welfare losses is large. Oh my God, we're all going to die. These results were also determined with their case study in China. The main difference between China and upstate New York are the fixed prices for electricity costs. In contrast, U.S. electricity prices vary. Local economies in China were also boosted by increased tax revenue from Bitcoin mining. Yeah, which they don't have anymore. The recirculation of this document occurred after a tweet from Nick Carter stating, we're at the point where the government is teaming up with Ripple to create paid opposition research on Bitcoin mining. Yeah, Nick Carter uh, being one of the most violent men in Bitcoin's history. I, I love the guy. He's so violent. Ripple's XRP token does not rely on proof of work, but on a consensus mechanism that requires banks to confirm transactions and account balances. This type of network is very similar to ACH or SWIFT payments. Other consensus mechanisms also exist, proof of stake being one that is often posited as a like-for-like -like alternative to proof of work. And no, it's not like-for-like. -like. It has nothing to do. It's completely different. Don't, don't buy into that bullshit. Proof-of-stake proponents often fail to mention the trade-offs involved in implementing a proof-of-stake system when compared to proof-of-work. Bitcoin's proof-of-work mechanism has faced a barrage of criticisms from climate advocates, politicians, Wall Street, and founders of other cryptocurrencies. However, many of these detractors are incentivized to paint a negative picture of Bitcoin and its consensus mechanism as they stand to benefit from adoption of alternatives. In December of 2020, the SEC charged Ripple Labs and two of its executives for an unregistered securities offering. By failing to register their ongoing offer and sale of XRP tokens, adequate disclosures to retail investors were not met. The lawsuit has been ongoing since and is planned to be settled in the latter half of 2022. Meanwhile, Ripple founders continue to sell their XRP holdings as evidenced by co-founder Jeb McCaleb's recent sales. So, <clears throat> the United States government, with one hand is suing Ripple for unregistered securities violation. And Ripple is the XRP token and all these guys that it, well, XRP is an unregistered security. It is an unregistered security. It is an unregistered security. It is an unregistered security. The guys over at Ripple have been selling their bags and dumping it on retail for the past two, three years, whatever, however long, it really accelerated like over the first half of last year. And it was already pretty much full steam ahead in the second half of 2020, uh, of 2020. And they just, they were, they're being sued by the government. And here the other, another branch of government is asking for their help. I think what's going on is that Ripple has been compromised by the SEC's lawsuit against them, and they are going to do everything that they can to get out of it, including working with the government to discredit Bitcoin's proof of work mining. Because we have people in the United States government that don't believe in freedom, 
that have, they're addicted to control. They probably don't even know that they want the control, but they are addicted to it nonetheless. So they're going over to Ripple and they're teaming up to discredit proof of work. And they're going to start saying, oh, well, we need proof of stake. If you don't understand it already, that's what we already have. The legacy financial system has been built from the ground up on proof of stake. It's already, it's already been here. It's, it's been here for decades and decades and decades. Proof of stake is the way we do shit already. This is why we're in the trouble that we're in. Proof of work deletes all that. They can't have it deleted. They're too addicted. They're like fat people addicted to shitty food. Well, politicians are addicted to power in the exact same way to the exact same extent. I'm just saying, let's go ahead and do this last one here. British government legislates to protect consumers from misleading crypto ads. Oh my God. Uh, Tim Hockey has it for Decrypt.co. The British government is introducing new legislation to protect consumers from misleading cryptocurrency advertisements. According to a recent announcement on the government website, it's thought that around 2.3 million Britons, or 3.4% of the UK population, now own cryptocurrencies. Some sources place the number as high as 3.3 million, or 5% of the population. However, the government's announcement points to research that suggests that understanding of what crypto actually is is declining. Yeah, because of shit coins like Ripple. This likely refers to a previous study by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority in which 71% of the 2,568 respondents who'd heard of crypto were able to identify its definition correctly. So what's being done to improve consumer understandings of cryptocurrencies? Well, the British government hopes to bring all crypto-related advertising in line with financial promotion legislation in a bid to increase consumer protection while encouraging innovation. This means that crypto ads will need to be approved by the Financial Conduct Authority or the Prudential Regulation Authority or a firm licensed by either one of those authorities. First, the government intends to introduce secondary legislation to amend the financial promotion order so that cryptocurrencies fall within its remit. Then there will be a transition period of approximately six months while advertisers bring themselves in line with FCA standards. The complete response of the government's uh, consultation on policy proposals is freely available at a PDF here, and there's a link. In a statement accompanying the announcement, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, said crypto assets can provide exciting new opportunities, offering people new ways to transact and invest. But it's important that consumers are not being sold products with misleading claims. We are ensuring consumers are protected while also supporting innovation in the crypto market. Now, I'm just not going to read the, the rest of it because it's just basically they're following Singapore's lead here. And I talked about the Singapore crypto ad ban uh, yesterday. The exchequer, uh, the chancellor of the exchequer, Rishi Sunak said, quote, now I'm rereading re this for, for a point. Crypto assets can provide exciting new opportunities, offering people new ways to transact and invest. Okay. And, but they want consumers to be more educated about what crypto is. They, these consumers, they just don't know what it is. And well, after what Rishi Sunak said, I don't think Rishi Sunak knows what cryptocurrencies are. In, when I don't invest in Bitcoin, 
I'm literally trying to get my money in my money that is we're in a fluid situation right now. And I'm trying to take money that is shitty and turn it into money that is good. That's not an investment. Bitcoin is not an investment vehicle. And if you think that it is, then you don't know what Bitcoin is. Furthermore, if you don't know that Bitcoin is not an investment vehicle, then you have no hope in hell of understanding what Ethereum is or what Ripple is or what Solana is or what Tron is or what the BNB token is or any of this bullshit. It's all bullshit. These are not investment opportunities. Most of them are straight up scams. Nobody really knows what the hell they are, how the hell they operate. The only thing that is really known at this point is how Bitcoin operates. And Bitcoin is not an investment. If you think that Bitcoin is an investment, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. And you're going to get burned unless you're able to hold. See, that's the whole point. If you're able to hold Bitcoin for as long as I've held Bitcoin, well, then you understand that it's not an investment. It's not. And Rishi doesn't know that. And they're building, and if he doesn't know it, I guarantee you the rest of these asshats do not know what cryptocurrency is. They certainly don't know what Bitcoin is, and they certainly want proof of stake, and they certainly don't want proof of work because the only thing that they potentially do understand is that proof of stake serves their interest, proof of work does not. If they understand anything about Bitcoin, I guarantee you that's the only thing that they understand. And yet they're writing rules to make sure that consumers understand what they're getting into, and yet they have already failed on properly defining what the fuck it is. If you, if you believe your government knows what they're doing at this point, they don't. If you really think that they know what they're doing, they don't. It's been demonstrated time and time again, and over the last two years, it's become painfully evident that these jokers really don't know what's going on. Maybe they're really good at some things, but I think we've entered into a world where no matter what it is that they think they know or how good at it that they are, that the world right now is not conducive for them being able to show the rest of the people of the world anything other than just how inept they really are. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, joke time. Dad says jokes. Which actor drives the least? Christopher Walken. As always, if you want to support the show, support what I do, Podcasting 2.0 is for you. If you don't know what Podcasting 2.0 is, this is your opportunity to not only support Bitcoin and, and myself, it's also the opportunity for you to learn what the future is going to look like when it comes to consuming content, media, art, using software, watching videos, all of that stuff. If, it can be, if it's being done in real time, then Podcasting 2.0 is paving the way for you to be able to support the guys that are creating the stuff that you want to watch, listen to, read, whatever. 
it's going to permeate everything. If you want to stream me Satoshis, which is the smallest bit of a Bitcoin, you can do so. What does that mean? Well, it means that as you're listening to me on like, I don't know, Sphinx chat app, fountain app, or the breeze wallet, they all have they're 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 all they all have podcasting applications inside of it and they're also a Bitcoin Lightning Network wallet. So over the Lightning Network, which is a layer above the Bitcoin protocol, you can in real time stream me the smallest bits of a Bitcoin, Satoshis, like three a minute, one a minute, two a minute, ten a minute, it doesn't matter whatever you can set it for whatever you want in your app and it goes right to my lightning node which is about two feet away from me and nobody nobody has anything to say about it and you can listen to me and you can support the show and while you're doing that you're going to learn what it means to stream stream money to somebody in real time as you're consuming their content and when your mind opens up to the possibilities that that allows then podcasting 2.0 becomes your classroom of the future. With all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.